0: You are now tuned in to the Property Management Show with your host, Alex Osinenko. We bring in the experts of today so you can be the master of tomorrow in all things property management. Whether it's getting more doors, running a profitable fee based business, or by simply being the best property manager. So, grab a pen and paper because this episode is sure to be a good one. Thank you and enjoy the show.
1: Boys and girls, welcome to another exciting episode of the Property Management Show. Um, I've started this series, I call, How I Did It. And I'm falling in love with, um, first, the feedback I get from guests. Uh, people are learning and, and understanding that um, they're not the only ones who make mistakes. Some of the most successful property management companies. Uh, the fa- Their founders made a lot of mistakes along the way, learned a lot of lessons. And so I want to bring these founders um, uh, to the show, give them the opportunity to talk about their particular uh, path. And uh, hopefully we, um, we the audience, or uh, including myself, learn some things along the way so we don't make the same mistakes in our own businesses. We make different mistakes, but that's okay. Um, so the goal is really I want to empower property management business owners Uh, with success stories and failure stories, so we can learn from that. And today's guest uh, runs a pretty awesome shop called Independence Capital. Is that it?
0: That's it,
1: Yep. And I have to say, it's not a guest. I have two, a husband and wife team, which is pretty awesome um, because I know a lot of property management companies that are founded and continue to run this way. And so I want to introduce uh, Kristen and Sean Johnson. How are you guys?
0: Good. Thanks for
1: having us, Alex. Yeah, we're good. Christine, you doing good? I'm
2: doing great, Alex.
1: (laughs) All right, awesome. Good to hear from you. So let's hit this out of the park with the most harrowing story that you can tell about your business venture. First of all, clue us in, before we go there, clue us in a little bit, how long you've been in business, where you are today, and then go right into your biggest fall.
0: Yeah, so we, uh, we manage about 500 rental properties, We've had a high of about six fifteen. Uh, most of that is uh, single-family homes. Uh, the multifamily stuff we use is four plus, six plus, and less and lower. So uh, we've been in business for six years now. Um, really exploded at first. Um, we did a max uh, fee maximization campaign two years ago, two and a half years ago now, um, and that really changed and shaped our business. Um, we took a different mindset from that point forward. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the gist of who we do business. Chris and I, we share a lot of. Well, she's the brains behind it. I just, uh, I just work in my back office. And
1: <laughs> so, Sean, are you more sales oriented, and Kristen more systems oriented, or is the? either way, around? how do you guys split work?
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting. Kristen and I have a lot of uh, similarities in our in our skill sets. Kristen's very numbers uh, driven, and I'm not numbers driven. I'm, I'm a helicopter pilot and I have an attention span of about that long, you know, so I've got to be like actively doing something all the time. But uh, we split roles. I, I op- I'm i more operations. Um, so I oversee the property managers, the assistants, and Kristen's more over the sales and the accounting side of the business. So
2: Sean does do a lot of our in-house marketing uh, type stuff, which is kind of interesting. I have a degree in marketing, but I don't have a huge passion for it. (laughs) Um but Sean's kind of got a creative brain. So he he oversees a lot of the uh, marketing that comes out of the office.
1: The growth. The growth. Uh so so to get growth as you, Sean, to digest growth and be able to operate against it is you, Kristen?
2: Yeah, so I I handle a lot of the um the sales processes, I guess. So we over I oversee our BDM um and I do really well going out and talking to new owners and onboarding a new business. Um, I kind of have a knack for that. Um, and
0: I don't like that, but I like the see marketing and sales are two different things in my opinion. Absolutely. And I love the marketing side of it, but I'm not a huge fan of sales. I tell you what, I can,
1: I can pull in a new client, but I don't like doing it. So. Here's a side question. What is it with pilots and the attention spend? <laughs> I don't
0: know. I don't know, man. When you're in the cockpit, there's so much going on all the time that it's just doing that for so many years, it really shapes your attention span to a short one because you want action, you know?
2: It's really especially terrible when he's trying to drive a car and he's like texting and looking at his iPhone and his yeah, watch. I'm and very busy. Like, focus on what's happening in front of you, man.
1: That's interesting because you know Steve Rosenberg, right?
2: Oh, yeah.
0: I, I, Steve- I know Steve. good.
1: Yeah, yeah, He's he's same way as I am. He, well, so and, yeah, I have to constantly pull him off squirrels. Like him and I are doing another podcast together, and he's like, "Go oh, squirrel, squirrel!" I'm like, "Steve, shh, come on, man! <laughs> like, yes. there's a lot more to unpack here."
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> I call it uh, shiny object syndrome, and I have
1: it. So <laughs> that's uh, really good to know. I, I, you know, I did not know that you, I, you have to jump from instrument to instrument. To keep in mind of all these things. Every the, the machine has so many little aspects to it. I get it. I get it. Yours. So let's, let's go right into the, into the failure. Let's like, what, what, do, what do you guys say your biggest sort of oversight and how did you, you know, how'd you fall apart and how you pick yourself up? Sure.
0: Sure. I think our biggest, in my opinion, our biggest failure is kind of twofold. We brought on a, a property management company. Well, we bought a portfolio, um, in, in that process, it was a portfolio of 295 doors and, um, that was the contract and in the due diligence we missed um that there were several properties that were actually not legitimate contracts from the people yeah so it hurt there's about seventy thousand dollars in lost um purchase i guess you would call it so
1: in lost value i mean lost value yeah sorry i'm just really curious is are those phantom contracts like why were they there like what was the what was the reasoning. Yeah. So,
0: um, I think we were dealing with, um, a dishonest, um, seller.
2: So really kind of what he had going on was he, he had these properties in his portfolio and they were legitimate contracts for the most part at at some point. Yeah. Yeah. But he, on in the meantime that he was trying to sell them to us, he also had them listed for sale on the sales market. Mm -hmm. And so when we pick them up he said oh by the way I just sold that one or um this one's about to sell so I'm not transferring you that contract
0: or they he would tell clients that hey I don't want you to terminate with me yet terminate after we do the sell and then you give them the notice of termination so uh, do you, you guys have a clawback we did so we had a clawback only specific um to a client that had larger than a certain percentage of the portfolio i got you and the clawback was not specific on doors in six months or a year i would totally do that was a failure i would have learned uh, you know do that different now um that was a challenge yeah (laughs) the other failure to that there's a more there's a little bit more to that alex and uh let's go through
1: it let's go through it
0: yeah the second thing in that same transition for that purchase was that chris and i thought. We had a really high satisfaction of clients back then, and we brought them all on ourselves and, and uh, a lot of high trust. And we thought that in bringing on these new clients that they were going to love us just like our other clients. And so we immediately had to you know, sign them over to our fee structure, and that didn't set well. They were used to a different fee structure prior to and we're switching them over and that upset some clients so we had to back off and take a deep breath and wait a, we waited about a year before we changed anything again so that was my second i guess tip or learning experience there <laughs> and, it, and it caused some higher um some higher loss than we expected out of that
1: portfolio so what would you say you lost in percentage like how many how many clients popped out of 295 what you end up with you think yeah
0: so we lost about 17 percent
1: okay yeah 17 percent. um yeah. in, in retrospect if you now can go back and do it or not do it right now make that decision right before that purchase would you still pull the trigger
2: yes absolutely yeah
1: because highly cause, profitable <laughs> ex- exactly so yeah my point is yeah as much as you fall on your face you're still and, and you know it's a lot of uh, i think it's a personal expense um i think it's and i and i can connect to this when you realize like you you built your client base and they love you and they know who you are and they know what you stand for and they connect with you you brought this foreign customer base that is just like rebelling already yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> so how were you able to integrate them because right now you're smiling obviously you're not like overwhelmed and and your hair is not on fire please at least i can't see it from here <laughs> um, so how like long ago was, <laughs> excuse me how long ago was that and how and how did the integration process go
0: Yeah, so that was in, uh, let's see, September of 2014 is when the purchase uh, happened, and we did it as a uh, pill-off-the-band-aid method. So it all came in at once, and what we discovered was the previous management company was neglecting a lot of uh, maintenance requests. Um, We had a line out our front door. We were getting over 450 phone calls every single day. Wow. Uh, yeah, and it was just, that that stuff right there was extremely hard to predict. We hired and staffed on and trained prior to, but none of that was expected. <laughs>
2: so it, kind of on the flip side of that coin, why that was a really trying time for our office, it also helped us to win over some of the clients, um, both both tenant customers and, and owner clients, because the previous management company had um, told owners and charged owners actually for maintenance um, that had never actually been performed. They had an in-house maintenance company, and so going back to these owners and saying, "Hey, we got this maintenance request." They said that it was reported, but nothing ever came of it. And the owners saying, "Why well, paid for that?" So we'd go out to the property and take pictures and send them to the owner. And their frustration level with the other management company was already fairly strong, but that kind of put them over the edge. And they loved the fact that we were willing to go out and. Take pictures and and kind of walk them through the honesty of the maintenance process. So, um, it, it the negative kind of turned into a positive, and it helped us build some rapport right out the gate.
1: Gotcha. What are some other nuggets of integration? Because we talk a lot. My my last podcast, I believe, I don't know if we published it uh, with Mike Catalano. Uh, we talked a lot about acquisitions and and the specific um, things to do and not to do. What about integration? I'm more interested in the integration uh, expertise and advice. I think the audience would be as well. What's some of the, some of the uh, things that you've done right or you've done wrong, you think, during the, that you would do again to integrate the company?
0: To start off, I think it, uh, the new clients deserve a personal phone call. Um, that goes a long ways. They're, they're oftentimes caught off guard by the purchase. And oftentimes don't even understand that the uh, the contract that they signed is assignable to somebody else. So just a simple phone call and talking through that helps a lot, I think. Um, and we did that as best as we could. Um, I would also not recommend changing uh, management agreements for at least twelve months. Just don't touch them. Service them like they uh, uh, they were before, but you know, at your level of customer service, so take it up a notch. Um, and, uh, you know, that's my tips. I don't know. What would you say?
2: Yeah, those are, those are probably the big two nuggets. Um, I, I think the same goes for the tenants as well. Cause you, you want to keep them happy and keep them in place. And, um, I think not touching their leases until it's renewal time, uh, is a positive thing. We, we tried to convert everything over to our systems right out the gate just so that our lives would have some mm-hmm. simplicity um and and structure, but uh, I think just keeping it stagnant for that first year, or, um, whatever the term is is probably the biggest nugget there. yeah,
0: she mentions the ten there, I think we have a zero day grace period in our um, in our management, and that previous company had a five day, so we immediately switched that, and you know the ones in a month, a month they lost their grace period. so I' would just just take a deep breath. And, uh, you know, just roll with it for a little while before you start touching contracts. That's, that's,
1: that was big for us. That was a big
0: learning experience.
1: So, gotcha. So, the advice would be, hey, bring in a portfolio, have, you know, adequate clawback clause uh, to make sure that you can regain revenue for lost accounts uh, that, are, that, that will pop out within 12 months. That's what clawback is for those who are listening and don't know. Um, and another thing, during the integration process as much as possible. Don't sort of don't shake it. Uh, don't shake the tree too much. Mm-hmm. let it let it sort of like you know grow and integrate um, and, and apply your customer service and so people see the advantage personal phone call to the owner goes a long way. let yeah. them know it's happening, but then start sort of changing this gradually yes rather than just like a band-aid and and I get it but integrate it into your systems to make the efficiency you know make the processes easier on yourselves. Does that is that a good recap? Great recap. Yep. Sums it up, yeah. More or less. <laughs> All right, perfect. Excellent. So with that, uh, my personal question that I'm interested in personally, uh I do work with my wife as well. But uh she does not report anywhere near me. Um <laughs> she's in marketing. I am a, you know I run the company. Uh how do you guys manage to stay sane during work and after work?
0: Yeah, I don't, you know, a lot of people ask us that. And we just have a really good marriage, uh, just a really good marriage. We understand each other. Um, sometimes we don't turn on, off the office. Uh, I'll be honest. You know, sometimes we're talking about business at eight o'clock at night or when we're about to go to sleep or something. It, uh, but we work well together. I think she respects my uh, role in the company. I respect her role. Um, we don't overstep each other. So say for instance, one of her employees comes to me with a problem. Um, I let Tristan handle the problem and she does the same for me. You know, those things help us not overstep each other's boundaries. So
2: we do a lot of our best business planning and brainstorming in the, the evenings, sitting in the hot tub. Yeah. So it's, it's great that we, I think a lot of people in property management who have a spouse or significant other outside of property management, Um, sometimes it's hard for that outside spouse or significant other to relate to what we go through every day so being on the inside of it together I think it's great because we're able to support each other through it Um, and maybe I'm having a really rough day and he can talk me off the ledge and vice versa Um, so we know there's brighter days ahead so um, and really at the end of the day Alex our offices are two doors down from each other but we don't ever see each other during the day we go to lunch together and then we pick up kids at the end of the day together but throughout the day, you know, <laughs> he's doing his part and I'm doing mine.
1: So, so I th- I think uh, from what I hear, it's, it's just, first of all, it starts with a healthy relationship and, and then the respect for each other's roles. But then I guess you have to really identify the roles sure. and make sure it's because um, some of us um, more, let's call them male founders, right? will have this sort of dominance factor where we have to control everything. I'm I've, I've, beaten myself off of it as much as i can i still have the tendency to go in and tell people what to do where they're better than me in their jobs by now by far um but so i think that you know if you if you could take the ego out of the equation and really respect each other that's that's the path right
0: yeah that's right okay
1: awesome all right, so let's talk about, let's go back to the founding story and talk through how did you end up in property management. This is not something people choose to end <laughs> up in. They are now, however, like you will see, I'll share some stats with you. So like, you know, this, uh, we, we tracked searches on Google and you can see the quantity, quantity of searches. So starting a property management company um, went, went from something like 200 searches uh every quarter or so to about a thousand a month. Well, 600 a month. Or so. It's just crazy. Wow. Um, and, and it just, all of a sudden it's a, it's a path. It's a true career. It's a, people are interested in it, uh, how did you end up in, in the business, in the business? We chose <laughs> <We're> those weirdos <laughs>
2: okay. who
1: chose. Tell me about that. How did you look at the franchise? Like what was the, what was the choosing process?
2: Yeah. So I, I actually worked in real estate for a really long time as a real estate paralegal. Um, and I worked for a large investment company that we had properties all around the country, um, in San Diego. And I oversaw a lot of property managers and I always thought, Oh my gosh, these poor souls. Mm -hmm. Um, and when at the time Sean was flying helicopters and his dream helicopter position opened up uh, back home. this is home for him in Farmington, and uh, he said oh we're gonna we're gonna move back to New Mexico and I thought, "Oh gosh <laughs> um, and our sister-in-law at the time was in a, a real estate appraiser, and she said, "Oh there's a huge need here for a good property management company. there just isn't a good one um and so we started doing research on it and thought, ah, yeah, it actually seems like there is a pretty good need. And um, at the time we thought, oh, if we can get to about 150 properties, life will be good. Sean's flying a helicopter. I can easily manage 150 doors by myself. Um, and
0: then we, we went to NARPA.
2: And then we joined NARPA, <laughs> yeah. And we blew up to over 150 doors in our first two years in business. And um, and doubled in size the next year. So to say that there was a need here would be an understatement. Um that's kind of how we got going and it was with the intent of being small and you know running it out of the house to uh mm-hmm. being fairly good size and operating in two states. So
1: In two states. Oh, interesting. So so you are multi-location now?
2: Yeah, we just opened up a second office last fall in Flagstaff, Arizona. So
1: Flagstaff. Okay. Um, that's very cool. And Sean, do you still fly?
0: Uh, I am still on the, uh, the roster for flying for our local sheriff's department, but I haven't flown in a year. So uh,
1: I, I, how do you feel about that?
0: Uh, bums me out. Cause I absolutely love it. You know, I would, if, uh, I would like to get to a point where I can afford a helicopter and just go buy one
1: and to around, you know, so. <laughs> So, property inspections on steroids,
2: right? There you Absolutely. Go. That's, yeah. that's definitely a business expense. And we've got two offices. We need to fly to Arizona. There's a of for you.
1: <laughs> As a listener of this show, I already know you care about growing your business, you care about success. And what I'm going to tell you over the next two minutes may change and transform your property management business forever if you take action. I'm gonna tell you a story of two customers who decided to upgrade their websites to a four and a half website. The first story is about Andy Moore. He is in charge of a company called Gulf Coast Property Management, choosegolfcoast.com. He went with four and a half website and we launched eight months ago. Over the last six months, two quarters, his owner leads went up by 189%, which results in over $270,000 additional lifetime revenue Andy will receive from the customers gained the new website that he wouldn't have with his old website. The second story is about Jock McNeil with Alliance Property Management, alliancepm.com. Jock saw a hundred and eighty-five percent increase in his qualified owner leads over the last six months. In his case, it's over three hundred thousand in annual, in excuse me, in a lifetime revenue ad, as opposed to his old website. These are huge numbers. And if you want to play in the top echelon of the property management entrepreneurs today, you need a website and a partner that can get you there.
2: To learn more about our property management websites, visit four and a half slash grow. While you're there, be sure to request your free website analysis. When you're ready to purchase, you will receive a special podcast discount of $400 off your website. Now back to the show.
1: So now I'm going to unpack this a little bit. We're going to go back to the founding story. I want to know challenges within the first 100 units because there's a sub- subset of our listeners who are right there and they can't wait. I'm going to I'm going to ask you to to just hold on a little bit, and I want to unpack the second office because that to me is 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 um, people are doing it that now, and I want to know why. So tell me why, thought behind it, how, you know why.
2: So we um, the reason that we picked Flagstaff. My sister actually lives in Flagstaff, and she's been telling us for years her horror stories of renting uh, in Flagstaff, and as far as being able to. Have somebody actually show up at a property to show her a house, or just the, from the tenant's perspective, what a nightmare it was for her. And so we kind of um, decided, ah, oh, we're going to go ahead and bite the bullet. It's you know we can have her as our boots on the ground. She got licensed last summer. Um, she'll be our boots on the ground. And we can run all the operations out of our Flagstaff office, so we can grow through economies of, out of scale. Our Farmington. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Our, we can run everything out of our Farmington office. Understood. So. Yep. Um, so complete economies of scale. We've got virtual assistants that support and then all of the accounting and phone answering and all of that stuff happens here. Um, so really she's our, our she's our it in, in Flagstaff and I'm also licensed in Flag, So I'm, um, I'm her broker and provide the backup when she needs it. So um, the plan is to expand into two additional markets with the same uh, philosophy or growth plan behind it. So, hopefully. you have a
1: couple more sisters out there.
0: <laughs> no, she personally. does have two more sisters. but not ones that would work for her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I was just to say that I think the uh, the opportunistic uh, uh, nature of this particular expansion is the who, not the what. Hey, you had somebody there you trust completely, and was uh, was 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 a way for you to seed that office. Um. Yeah. But um, do you feel Farmington opportunity is just, you you see the growth slow down because just just the population size or competition? How do you feel about the home office opportunity?
0: Yeah, so I think that's the what behind it. Uh, And before we even thought about Flagstaff was, we felt like Farmington, um, if you know Farmington, uh, it's a very oil and gas and coal, so fossil fuel driven market. And um, it has not seen a strength a strengthening like the rest of the nation has. Um, 2016 was actually one of our worst uh, markets that we've had in years, decades probably, um, and it's because of oil and gas. And most of our oil here is actually um, uh, natural gas driven. So we get we get natural gas as the main product and oil as a byproduct. As versus like Texas and in Pennsylvania, they get oil and then they get natural gas as the byproduct. So <clears throat> that being said, we've lost a lot of jobs um, here. Actually, Farmington was ranked a, a shrinking, a higher shrinking town in, in the U.S. So oh. we decided that Farmington was probably at that point where we need to look other places. Um, we More for
2: diversification.
0: Yeah, diversification. We didn't want to just sink everything we had into Farmington. And if Farmington didn't continue to produce, then we're out of business, you know. So
1: we'll let everything happen. And, and as an investor, do you uh, so given that macroeconomic climate in Farmington specifically, do you see a, a kind of uh, a customer profile changing or do you still see investors? Do you see people who just the professionals need to need to work elsewhere and, and uh, kind of accidental landlords? What do you see now?
0: Yeah, majority of our clients are accidental landlords. Um, we do have uh, several intentional investors, um, but they are certainly not the majority.
1: Hmm. And so you don't see a lot of investments coming to Farmington until some economic something changes from the on the city economy.
0: Yeah. And you know what? Actually, now, if you're looking for investments, it's actually a decent place to invest now because the uh, the home purchase price has gone down so far. Mm. So and I think I, I personally think we're it seems like we trend about two years behind the nation here. And I think we're about to be on the uptick again of prices so it's a good time now to buy
1: what about rents how 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 are the rents in in farmington
0: yeah so rents are uh higher than the rest of the state really besides santa fe in new mexico and uh but we have seen about a 10 to 12 percent uh decrease in rent prices
1: so, oh wow that's very uncommon let me yeah. in the nation i've heard that statistic so i can Great see <laughs> I, I can see where you would uh you would consider diversification just so and and so what about Flagstaff? What do you see there? who's the kind of client do you see there?
0: You do have your typical investors there a
2: lot of investors yeah um
0: but it's it's the opposite, so really high almost to the extreme um home prices there, but really high rents, so you could pick a three bed two bath house and be at the twenty five hundred dollar a month range you know what's so. the cost uh for a three bed two bath house you're in about 360 to four hundred thousand range so all right you're not at the one percent rule which that's where i like to invest i like that one percent to one and a half you could get some two percents every once in a while but perhaps that's not there so
1: gotcha all right and so let's go back and please the folks who are in the 100 unit range and want to learn how to do it right what like talk talk me through that initial learning curve how'd you identify technology how'd you identify service partners like what was some of the big fails some of the wins
2: so i my biggest piece of advice would be if you don't have a management software to get one immediately um we started before we even got our first unit with management software Um, I, I just don't know how people do it without, um, and I've seen a lot of people doing it without, and it kind of shocks me.
1: Hmm.
2: Um, so that would be a a big first one. And I think trying to figure out your systems early on, because the bigger you grow it, the harder it is to implement those systems. So if you can work on those during the downtimes while you're trying to build the business and trying to get the phone to ring, um, believe it or not, that's that's probably the most time you'll have on your hands for a long time. So taking advantage of some of that downtime to write those systems and get them hard and fast and, um, you know, something that you can modify obviously as you continue to grow, but just so that you have a baseline. Um,
1: How would you know, Kristen, how would you know the systems you need to deploy if you don't know, you know, if you don't know that just the business yet?
2: So I think, You know, walking through the process in your head as far as from very beginning to end. So, thinking about what it looks like to onboard a new client and what you want to be able to present to that client and what it looks like to onboard them, um, what it takes to market a property and secure a new tenant, what your lease is going to look like, um, how often you're going to do inspections at the property, are you going to do a move in and move out inspection, how are you going to do that? Um, I think thinking through the entire process of, you know, really from the time you onboard a property or that first listing appointment to the time that that property terminates and thinking about the entire process and every step in between is a good place to start. And obviously, it's going to be something that you change and tweak as you actually start operating the business, but at least you're going to have some kind of a good baseline of what you want your company to look like.
1: Really, really good. So consider the whole life cycle of your customer, and then take it into into specific sub processes, and then and then go in and and build out each process. That's good. And NARPM would be a big help. National Association Residential Property Managers. You mentioned you joined them, and you kind uh, of you saw the light. And that's that's always something you know I, I stand behind, and you know it's going to open um, those those of you who are starting and in that hundred unit range, not part of NARPM. This is a huge opportunity. You're gonna you're gonna make so many more mistakes than you need to.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. And NARPM, we can honestly, Sean and I can sit here today and tell you that NARPAM, because of NARPAM and the people that we've met through NARPAM and the vendors that we've uh, met through NARPAM has been the single reason that we've grown the way that we have and that we've been successful like we have. Um Narpham has a really good vetting process for who they let in the door to be a an affiliate. Um so great vendors at your disposal and things that you would never even think of, like um, you know, well, I mean your service four and a half and uh pet com, and yeah. just the things that you would never know about just starting out. So it's a it's a huge resource. The education is great. Um the people that you meet, I've never met a more uh outgoing and willing to share a group of people in my entire life
1: so yeah i think that was a strong endorsement so yeah um, <laughs> those of you listening if you're not walking your cat uh just go to <laughs> markup.org and, and join up and uh you know um participate um all right so first hundred units systems work you'll never have a better time because it's uh, you are a little slow the phone is not ringing off the hook and you can map things out do it right. Get software before you actually need software, because by the time you need it, it's already—it's not too late, but then you are gonna be marred into implementation process that's gonna suck your life out of you. I know that. Um,
0: <laughs> uh,
1: what software did you choose, by the way? Mapfolio. We yeah. still have oh. folio today. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. And so the, fir- the first hundred properties. Uh, tell me what some of the mistakes you made specifically.
0: Oh man! Probably the first hundred was we were blowing and going, and we had this no fear attitude uh, about it, and it it was probably taking on things we shouldn't have. Uh, we got very selective um, in time, but it took us some wisdom and some uh, you know some cleansing <laughs> to understand that just because it has a door and a roof doesn't mean it needs to be managed by you you know and uh, not all business is good business so vetting the owner and vetting the the house itself is is something we had to learn the hard way
1: give us the example of how you sh- how how to do it wrong and how to do it right
0: yeah so uh we have what we have now is called our property benchmarking and it fits a bullet point of about 12 things and if it doesn't fit that we don't want it um but things like traveling for 45 minutes to get to a house that's just it's just not economical um, or taking on houses that just have a lot of maintenance and the owners having a hard time paying the mortgage. It's not going to end up good for you or the tenant um, at that point. So those are some kind of, you know, we've, we've had all those houses that we shouldn't have taken on <laughs> and uh, you end up just having an upset client, having an upset tenant. And you're wondering like, wow, we lost money at that gig.
2: You know, that's terrible. Or when you look at a property and you're like, ah, you know, you tell the owner, this house will bring $1,000 a month in rent. But no, I've got to get 1500 because I have to cover fees and the mortgage and all of these other things and being adamant about getting 1500 And you're like, That's you know, why would, I, why would I waste my time? Because it's going to sit on the market for a year and you're going to hate me and I'm going to waste money and time trying to get your house rented. And it's better just to say, no, not a good fit. This is what we recommend if you can come back to reality we'd be happy to talk to you, but (laughs) Mm. um, I think just setting those expectations up front on what you're looking for. And like Sean said, knowing that not all business is good business.
1: So a thorough discovery process with an owner, interview them as much as they interview you, Mm -hmm. uh, show that you care. This actually helps, uh, really, really helps. Uh, The more you listen, the more, um, you know, the the better connection you'll build, but also the more you'll learn. And so, so, your your advice is uh, be more selective because um, mm-hmm. you were cowboying this up and what i mean what how did when did you realize that was how so this is interesting to me this is very sort of very typical for the first hundred properties because you got to get revenue somehow like you'll right. take anything that produces revenue <laughs> right that has a pulse and produces revenue um, and, and so how when how do you realize like uh, maybe that's the wrong one is it because you get a lot of calls How do you find it? I actually have a moment.
0: (laughs) I have a moment where I hit it, so I don't know if Kristen does. We started managing this sixplex, and it was actually a sixplex that was more of a student style living or a flat, and where you would rent a a room, and it basically had a a pot warmer, a microwave, a bed, a TV, and the bathroom and shower was at the end of the hall, okay, and that's kind of how that was. That was the moment in which I realized, you know what, this is dumb to be managing, especially for what, 350 bucks a month in rent for each of these units. And, and the headaches that came with that, oh, so-and-so left the air conditioner on, and now I'm you know, just stupid stuff like that. You just don't want to do it. That was the moment I was like, you know what, no more of this. We're going to clearly define how we want to manage properties and what properties we want to manage. And
2: uh yeah, I well, I, I think you can look at a property or a client as you have managed them and you can figure out pretty quickly. I spend 80% of my time on these 20% of clients mm-hmm. and you can do an analysis on what it costs you. And this is my accounting coming out, right? So you can, you can do an analysis on what it costs you to manage a property versus what that property brings in for you. And we got to the point where it was like, man, we're paying these people to manage their property for them. And it's causing the biggest headaches for us and our staff. Um, We're losing sleep at night because of these people and we're paying them to manage their property. Yeah. So. We took it to the next (laughs) level
0: too because we had a a meeting with a business coach. um, Todd Brain coached us for a couple sessions or a few sessions. And uh, he's like, I bet you, if you started looking at your portfolio, uh, the bottom third of your portfolio, you're spending 80% of your time. And that bottom third is making you no money. It's actually costing you money to manage them. Those, those conversations really changed our mindset in this business. So
2: That's kind of how we went from being at 620-ish properties back down. We yep. actually dropped down to like about 450 over the last two years, but our revenue increased 12%.
1: Oh, well, I was actually going to ask you about that. I have in my notes. I promise you right here uh, <laughs> to, to ask you about the, that drop. I didn't know if it was a big investor pulling out. And so that's interesting that we just kind of segued into this. And so you, you this is intentional in your on, on your on your side.
0: 100 yeah. percent. Yeah. because guess yeah.
1: that brain told you to do so. The old wolf.
0: Uh, Todd Todd Green, then he referred us to Darren Hunter uh, where Darren Hunter clients uh, worked for two years yep sure uh, it just uh, it was time to you know cut the fat just trim the fat and get rid of the junk and uh, get lean
2: and mean and make it happen
1: and how did you do it what was the process nobody likes to get fired you get bad reviews for that right so what what did you do
2: um so actually part of our it kind of started going through our Phoenix process so as we were changing our fee structure and increasing things, and actually charging for the services that we provide and do that our competitors don't, um, you know, we we kind of thought, oh, these clients will stick with us forever, and these ones we don't want anyway, and so they'll they'll just go okay. away through natural attrition, <laughs> which okay. is great. Um, and it kind of shocked us because some of those people that we thought were going to die and go away wouldn't. And um, over time, as we we made a conscious decision that okay this this group of properties right here takes us you know these 14 properties are going to take us five to replace on a new fee structure so when we got those five we would fire the 14. how do you fire them um we just sent him a letter and and basically said we've we've appreciated working with you over the last x amount of years and um your loyalty to us however we've gone a different way and our systems no longer support the management of your to property your yeah, so almost, almost like it's not you, it's us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and then, so do you, did you actually get some bad reviews because of that, or what? What kind of feedback? Or people just left?
2: We didn't. No, we we had several owners beg us to stay, and others completely understood. Um, and you know, some of them had been with us for three, four years, um, so long-standing clients. Um, but they understood that the way that we were taking our business and our vision for our future just wasn't aligned with. The way that they wanted their properties run and um so it was a it for the most part it was very very pleasant and uh we got good reviews from from some of them and others just left quietly so hmm.
1: yeah. i've heard from um andrew dugill uh the way to go about uh, sort of uh firing client I should you know for for reason that they're too expensive for you is send them a fee increase letter have you thought about that at all
0: yeah so that was part of we actually did fee increases but um there was some that you believe it or not they stuck around no matter how much you raise their fees (laughs) Um, so and you know we we implemented a a minimum management fee so if it doesn't uh, pull in a certain amount then it doesn't fit and you would you would go above and beyond that and they'd still stick around so there was some you know looking back at we probably could have done a better job of trying to sell off those contracts, um, but locally, there's nobody that's really ambitious to do that. They didn't want to buy them, and we we asked around, and just nobody was interested. So it was it had to be that decision. Let's
1: let's actually terminate
0: and, and move on. You know,
1: very interesting. Yeah, next time you're gonna get rid of a couple of contracts, give me a call. I, I'll find somebody. <laughs> I'll to find somebody that will buy it off your hands. Seriously, it's just been so hot lately. It's crazy. It is. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> Yeah, all right. And so I wanna like the last we have uh what? We have about ten minutes left. You guys okay on time? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Ten more minutes. So yeah, I wanna dig in a little bit about pricing. It's such a mysterious thing. Like everybody um nobody really knows what to do here and how to price things. And I know you've got been been coached by Darren and Todd. By the way, love, love, love Todd. No, you know, we're fished together and he's a great guy. I call yeah. him Old Wolf because he's been in the business for like 40 years and he's 50 <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or 55 or something like that. Anyway, um, do you post your pricing on the website?
0: We do in our Flagstaff market. Um, it's really easy, so we went through a three-tiered structure uh, plus a lease, lease only, um, and it's really easy to post that. In our Farmington market, we don't and it's only because there's a lot of ancillary service fees um, that it's just, it's just hard to list them all. I guess we haven't found a creative way to actually put them out
2: there. So we're actually running two different pricing structures in our two offices. Um, we kind of wanted to test the Flagstaff market out on a flat fee structure So because it is clean and we can post it online, um, where our Farmington office is a little bit complicated. So
1: uh, So you don't have a three-tier in your Farmington office? No. no we don't. Not today. Right. I want to talk to you. I want to ask you why. Why? Um, I I know you said ancillary fees. I I hate that term. I I call them value add services. Yeah, that's you want to have to call them a fee. It's a value add service fee. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. I
0: like it.
1: (laughs) Uh, Changes 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 the the meaning in my opinion. Um, Sure. And so is that because or are you just it's been successful? You don't want to touch it. Like, what are your thoughts here? It has
0: been successful. It's been it's a mindset to not touch it. We also don't want to, if we did a three tier, we, we average about 200 and I think it's 213 a door is our monthly revenue per door. Very good. Yeah. And, and we actually have our average rents only 1,038. So for 213, that's pretty good. Um, so we're scared to, to make that go down is where our fear is for Farmington. It's, it's easy to make it go up in Flagstaff. It's new and, um, the rents are really high there so that's why that's kind of why we haven't touched it here i'd like to touch it cuz i really want my pricing on our website just haven't been able to wrap our head around how to do that effectively
1: so how about this um just an idea uh what if you throw in three programs just like you have been doing itemize all the value add services put a price on them and have your lowest your lowest tier covering The least expensive tier with all the fees outlined, the middle tier includes some of it, and you have a top tier that includes all of it that actually kind of connects to your per door, like uh, revenue goal. Have you thought about that?
2: Yeah, and that's actually kind of what we did in Flagstaff. It's very much set up that way. Um, And we actually just started working with uh, Jordan and Profit Coach. So, our, our thought and our game plan, kind of, with Farmington is to really solidify those numbers um, with Jordan and kind of figure out what those pricing structures should be uh, In for our Farmington amount. office. Yeah, we, so. we
0: understand the service side of it, uh, you know, the the value add service listing it. But uh, as far as the price of it, we haven't we haven't
1: nailed that down yet. So
0: it's it's close. <laughs>
1: Got you so You want to understand the margins of each service thoroughly before you go and start experimenting right, right. very wise i got you uh i'll allow it i'm just kidding <laughs> <Good> <laughs> From marketing perspective you know that, that makes sense right
2: sure. you know
1: um that makes sense but the three-tier pricing obviously you know you know that it shows transparency and it sure. really is um a good way to earn a customer and when somebody's asking you what is your fee on the phone, it's like, oh, no, that, not again. Uh, they don't know what to ask. So let's say, what's your fee, right?
0: Not their yeah. fault, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. And then if you're able to say, well, uh, Mr. Johnson, you know, our fees range between 6 and 10%. Really all depends what you need and if we are going to be able to solve this problem for you. So let me ask you a few questions about your property and find if we're fit. You know, that that kind of conversation, like, just boom. And it's like, I answered your question. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm not too expensive and I can't be as cheap as you want me to be as anybody else. Now let's focus on a problem. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So that really does it gives give you freedom for that.
0: You need a BDM job, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I, I actually do. I, I, I trained, I train BDMs um, in my spare time. I should say, I, I really, really enjoy that. Cause I, there's so much opportunity in this industry. I think, we just don't understand. We, I consider myself almost almost a property management because that's who I talk to. That's my tribe. Mm-hmm. But I think the understanding of a purpose you serve as uh, in society is way under underestimated, and people don't think about that. Yep. Right? You find homes for families to live in for kids to grow up, mm-hmm. and you take care of people's largest assets that that will define their financial well-being. Yeah. I mean. this is a very important job yes it is yeah so anyway and i on that note i think this is good um this is this was an excellent interview any parting words of wisdom for folks who are in the let's call it 400 500 range what what is your next move what are your next what are the next move you make moves you're making
2: I would say, um, start cleansing your portfolio and focus on your, your, uh, top tier properties and owners. It's very Um, liberating. It is. It's, (laughs) it's an amazing feeling and you will not believe the stress that lifts out of your life. Um, and then charge what you're worth. Um, if you're, you're performing a service, you deserve to be paid for it and don't let anybody tell you that you shouldn't be paid for it. So, um. Nothing in this life is free, and you shouldn't
1: work for free either. So yeah, yes. those, are, those those are good ones. By the way, did you guys buy your PM Grow tickets yet? Yes, we, we have. I'll be there. Thank you very much. <laughs> and so, last before we depart, the PM Grow Summit is the conference that really puts a lot of these top thinkers like Kristen and and then Sean here together in a room with about 250 more. We keep it at that sort of family, smallish kind of feel. It's not a wholesale conference. It's really only for the folks who are at the level um, and focused on growth. And this is one quote I'm going to finish with, which I read today. And I absolutely fell in love with, you know, people, people keep talking about, and by the way, maybe I need to ask if you haven't two minutes, let me ask you this. Um, what do you think, what, what is the purpose of growth? Why, why, why business growth is important to you and overall? Yeah, well, uh, first
0: of all, it builds morale, when you're stagnant in a business, it absolutely devastates morale. And, um, you know, you get burnout from that. You can get burnout from growing too, but you certainly, you're just, it takes the winds out of your sails. So that's my, that's my thought. Growth is, is a healthy way to stay busy and you need, you need, uh, repeat clients. You need clients to give you other clients to help stay healthy and to continue a good business. So that's my thoughts.
2: I think we were put on this earth to learn and grow constantly and um by being a business owner who uh, is able to drive that kind of growth you're providing uh wealth and jobs for for other people and um you're contributing to the greater good so
1: i love that it. wow that's really really good both of you are just combined for this awesome this is the quote i read this is actually encapsulates what you just said christine Significant value creation cannot occur without growth. So the failure to scale has social as well as investor and managerial costs. It affects job creation and innovation throughout society. Oh man! Like that's from Harvard Business Review. That's it, man. I'm gonna be so. I'll sort of learn that over time, and I'll be using that as my own. But you, that's famous.
0: So who 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 quoted that? Who was that?
1: uh, this gentleman who wrote the article for Harvard Business Review, I will have to email you the name. And those of you who are listening will link up the article in the notes. It's really, really deep, kind of a of stages of growth in the company. I don't know how helpful this would be. It was, it was a little deep for me. I, I'll be honest with you. But there's some really good stuff I fished out of there.
0: I love it. That's awesome. good stuff. Thank, Thank you, you, guys. Appreciate it. I'm going to you. throw a plug. Don't miss the conference. It was amazing the last two years.
1: I appreciate it, Sean pmgrowsummit Go there, get your tickets. Don't be stingy. That's the investment. Will um, pay dividends for a long time. Yes, absolutely. Will. Thanks, Alex. Thank you very much for your time. Have a great evening, and uh, thank you for listening.
0: Yeah, man. Thank you.